You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good evening. Hello. Thank you for listening to the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast with me, Charlotte Greenway. It's Friday the 4th of November and this is episode 59. By the time you listen to this, you've probably all watched the action unfold from day one of the Breeders' Cup at Keeneland, where the juveniles were on show. In this episode, we'll look ahead to the Breeders' Cup action tomorrow night, where of course the feature is the Breeders' Cup Classic, which may be the final start for the world's highest rated racehorse, Flightline. Just before we get to that, a quick rundown of the headlines from this week. On Monday's podcast, Frankie Dettori announced he'll be basing himself in California this winter in search of a ride in the Kentucky Derby. and. Really, he admitted that should he land on a top horse, he doesn't know when he'll be back in Britain. Also on Monday, 55-year-old Kevin Manning announced his retirement from the saddle, having been Jim Bolger's stable jockey since 1993. Together, they won some of the top races around the world, with New Approach's Epsom Derby in 2008, probably the most high-profile. On Tuesday, we saw the 2022 Melbourne Cup go the way of Gold Trip, giving trainers Kieran Marr and David Eustace a first win in the race, along with jockey Mark Zahara, with British favourite Dover legend back in fourth. Then on Wednesday, Colin Keane was crowned champion Irish flat jockey for the fourth time after Billy Lee had his ban upheld for the remaining fixtures of the season. Now, on to tomorrow's action, and why not start by hearing about arguably Britain's strongest chance? So, here's Holly Doyle on Breeders' Cup Phillies and Mare's turf favourite, Nashua. Um, well, this time I've got a good draw. Um, that helps. Which is pretty crucial, yeah, especially around a track such as Keeneland. Um, I'm drawn free, and I'm pretty pleased with that. Um, I think. You know, she's proven throughout the year that she's pretty ground versatile, um, which is another um, positive because you don't know what you're going to get at Keeneland. I I think it's pretty dry at the moment, so it could be quick ground, but she's she's run on on quick ground before um, and she's proven. So we won't have too many worries uh, regarding the ground. How do you look look back on on Longchamp? Um. Heartbreak, really. Mm. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie; it was um, pretty heartbreaking. I mean, um, you know, I didn't get off and blame the grounds of the draw. I mean, I didn't want to make the running, but from my draw, I rode to get a prominent position and ended up um, in front. I felt like I got run of the race throughout, but I did get softened up a bit earlier, um, possibly by Tuesday on my outside, maybe a stride or two um, earlier than I, I wanted, and. You know, it was in the dying strides where I, I got headed, wasn't it? Mm. So so either with a better draw there or better ground, uh, I, I mean, it looked to me as though you, you'd have got the job done, but but sort of the conditions and where you, you started the race just counted against you a touch. Equally, as you say, this weekend, there aren't, there aren't those concerns for you. 
Yeah, exactly. But um, I, I can't really take too much away from the winner that day that passed the carousel. Um, I thought, you know, at the furlong pole, looking back, you wouldn't have picked um, her as the winner. So I think that was a pretty good performance from a filly on, on ground that it, it um, thrived on. Mm. Um, will you, if the opportunity arises, will you will you go forward this weekend or or, or might you take a lead? Um, well, Nashville is really um, versatile and I feel like you've got to get off to a good start um, to hold that inside draw. Um, so it will be really dependent on the pace and, um, you know, we'll speak to, to the boss, John Gosden, and what, what he um, he suggests. But um, I think it will be pretty important, as it was in the Deanne from a good draw, to hold that position. Mm. So you're, you're on board floaters, I think, for the first time. How do you assess her chances? We know she's got plenty of early boot. Yeah, she's got a really good draw as well, and she's got plenty of early speed. She used to make the run in plenty in, um, back in the UK. Um, Longchamp that day was quite a disappointing run, I suppose. Connections would feel, but like the ground was um, bottomless. So um, different circumstances um, coming into the Breeders' Cup and better ground gate speed um is a big key and she has that so she she could run a bit better than her odds the story behind highfield princess's meteoric rise to the top is wonderful and she looks to top off an incredible year by winning the turf sprint tomorrow night for trainer john quinn and nick caught up with him trackside yesterday morning to see what he's made of his experience so far the there's been a great atmosphere here all week um and it's building, building right up to, to first race day tomorrow. Uh, it's very nice to be here. And I mean, you came before with Safe Voyage, who came here with a little bit of a chance. Yeah. I mean, this filly's obviously had all the attention, all the eyes on her. Every time she steps out onto the track, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a hubbub. How does it feel to be a part of that? Um, you can be honest. <laughs> we're, we're very pleased to have her. Really, um, it is a bit, it, it is a bit nerve wracking, but it's the same for everyone. Um, but she's travelled over well. And she, we've just ticked her over here, and she's actually coming up to the track this morning just to have a canter on the grass at, at half nine. And is that something you've been keen to do, to get her on the grass, get her a so feel of that grass under her feet? Yeah, and we thought we'd, it's, it's such an amphitheatre here to just bring her up and let her see it. You know, we're, we're not going to gallop her, we're just going to canter her. And do, what's, the, what's the sort of regime like here? Are you just trying to keep her, her limbs moving, really, just keep the blood flowing? Absolutely, yeah. She was fit getting on the plane. Um, we haven't done any galloping here. We just kept her ticking over, uh, keep it, yeah, keep keeping her going. She's eating well, which we're pleased about, and drinking well. So she never got dehydrated. No, no, she no, um, and she's a good mare to look after herself, which is great. So um, just. Let's hope she's a bit of luck and running. Just looking at the, the draw, that seems to have been reasonably kind to you with Golden Pal a couple to your inside? Absolutely. Uh, What's your outside? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, very pleased with six. You know, you, you'll have enough room. They will be going very quick. Um, Golden Pal should be taking them along at a, at a mighty pace. So uh, we're hoping we're able to, uh, you know, get in, get in our comfort zone and tag on to him. John, there does seem to be something slightly unusual about her. Just watching her around the track, she just sort of... She's just got this this way of appearing totally relaxed and almost self-contained. You know, you've you put in, in a nutshell, we've been here all week watching her and, every, and other horses. And some horses are quite keen and some horses are like her. And she just bobs away, bob in her comfort zone, which is probably a, um, a, a great asset. And to, to come to Kentucky, and I know you've, you've got 
um, a lot of friends here, a lot of people you know from back home, big Irish community in Kentucky. It's a, it's a special place to be and to race a, a mare like her. Oh, it's very special. It's, 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 it's a privilege to be here with a, with, with a top-class horse. It's, it's an absolute privilege. Now, Highfield Princess may have conquered all in Britain and Ireland, but surely faces her toughest challenge yet, taking on the prolific speedster Golden Pal in his backyard. And when Nick caught up with his trainer, Wesley Ward, he asked whether he thought Golden Pal had stepped forward from his win nearly a month ago. What he, he's going to do what he has to do to win. He's just an amazing horse, and he came out of that win, you know, great, awesome. You know, he had a hundred and six seven buyer and his numbers are off the charts so you know we can just sort of maintain where he's at which we hope you move forward and yeah, I mean, he'll be awful tough to beat i haven't had to train him very hard he's very sound right now um you know every day he goes to the track he's just like dynamite he's ready to explode so we got one work coming up tomorrow on the grass uh, I'm sorry, on, on Friday on the grass, and uh, we're ready to go. You, you've obviously taken a good look at Highfield Princess. She's won her last three in in Europe. How formidable an opponent do you think she is for Golden Pal? We certainly have to respect uh, her form, her current form anyways. And, you know, she's, you know, they're they're betting on her. So, you know, everyone in Europe thinks she's going she's gonna to run good. And I'm glad that I am taking her on here at my home track and going over there and taking her on at one of hers. So I, you know, I think I, I have just a little bit of a home field advantage here with, uh, with being right here. At uh, all, I got to do is lead my guy from his stall to the to the paddock, and she's got to come a long ways. And I know how that is, and how tough it is to do that. So you know, anytime in racing you can get an advantage, you got to take it. So you know, we're very fortunate that the Breeders' Cup this year on this final race will be here at Kingland. Uh, would you prefer it if it was a, a dead flat five rather than five and a half furlongs? You know, no, not really for this horse. He kind of runs the turns very, very well. Um, I've sort of the only thing that's kind of let me down on him is we've had some bad luck going over to Europe, you know, in the Nunthorpe last year. For whatever reason, and I couldn't find one, he just didn't run. Um, you know, I was all excited to have my, my main man, Frankie DeTore, on, and the horse shipped in so fantastic, and endoscopically after the race and physically you know going over him couldn't find anything for him to run the way he did but he did and that's racing and uh, going over this year it was just a one of those things where we walked the course with irad with steve Cawthon and had everything down to plan you know as far as steve giving some insights into into ask at race course and you know about this particular horse and the race that steve knows so well about and you know, unfortunately, when they were getting ready to spring the gate, there was one horse that was unruly behind it, and Irad was just looking straight back at the horse that they scratched, and him not knowing that, it, as it does not happen in America, where if they take a horse out, they have to get a horse off the track, opposed to over in Europe, where they just leave the horse there and they kick the gate. And so Irad almost fell off the horse. He was looking completely gate back when they when they sprung the latch, and we came away, you know, last by many, and he and that was it so i was just that's one thing with this particular horse that i haven't got accomplished is winning over at ascot or you know a straight five let me ask you about the others you run in the race campanelli has won multiple group ones for you and she'll be ridden by frankie dottori arrest me red's got good form you can forgive the kentucky downs run no problem um is golden pal a much better horse than those two you know he's just all the three of them are ready to run 
great races. You know, I couldn't t- say one, you know, isn't quite doing this or that. They're all really doing very, very well. It's just when you line them up in the gate, this guy's going to be six to five, seven to five in the race, and the other twos will be the other two will be five, six, seven, eight to one. So going in, he's supposed to be the fastest horse, but it is horse racing. All of them are doing well. If any one of the three of mine win, I'll be excited. Wesley, you've got several other chances dotted around the, the two days. You've got the, the horse who won the test at Saratoga in a bit of a shock there at Chai Town. She goes in the in the Philly and Mare sprint. You've got um, Kamari, who we know plenty about running in the sprint. Wh- which horse do you think could, could really run a bold race? Who do you have strong feelings for at the moment? I'll tell you, you know, I'd, I'd say Kamari's, this is her home track. Um, if we get a little weather on the day, she kind of moves up a little bit as well on the on the wet track and it's we got a little bit of a rain forecast you know uh for saturday you know i don't know that can always change but she's just really come to form right now and her numbers figure wise are as good as jackie's war or anybody going into this race so i'm i'm really really excited about kamari and you think she's as effective on the main track as she is on the on the turf i'd say she's a little better on the main track kamari Owner Mike Rapoli has already had a fantastic season winning the Belmont Stakes with Mo Donegal and he could cap it off tomorrow with leading three-year-old Philly Nest in the distaff and judging by his confidence, you might be mad to take her on. Yeah, I think Nest has the best chance because I think she has a chance of being something really, really like once-in-a-lifetime. I, I had that Uncle Mo once-in-a-lifetime Colt. I had Vina Rosso that won the Classic, but this horse has brilliance that Uncle Mo had. Vino Rosa was a grinder that was going to win and, and a mile and a quarter. But Nest is just one of those special fillies. I think she wins at six furlongs. I think she wins at a mile. I think she wins at a mile and a quarter. Uh, I, think, I think she's getting better every start. Her last three races, she's won by 12 and a half, uh, five and a half, and nine and three quarters. Um, we might see something very special on Saturday. On arriving in Lexington on Thursday, Nick headed trackside to watch the horses having their morning workouts and bumped into trainer George Papapadromu, whose American Theorem runs in the Breeders' Cup sprint on the dirt and was pretty positive about his chance. Very hopeful. I mean, um, it's been exciting uh, meet with him so far. I mean, uh, he will want the uh, Bean Crosby and uh, get him qualified to be in the Breeders' Cup and um, looking forward to it. And um, so far, so good. The Ben Crosby, the winner you're in at Del Mar, and you're based in, in Southern California. How are you enjoying your, your week in Kentucky? I can see you've got two or three coats on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so far, so good with the weather here, too. So we get, we're lucky so far. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it stays like this. And, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Yep. Now, we've known each other quite a while, but for those of my listeners who are unfamiliar with the work of George Papadromu, uh, it has been a, a pretty special 2022 for you, hasn't it? You've taken things up to a, to a new level. H- how come? Yeah, Nick, um, I mean, you know, like I said, I'd, so far, like I said, uh, we had a great meet this meet in Doma and San Anita, um, pick up some new owners, new horses and all that, and uh, we're doing good, you know, we're doing good, and we're on a few uh, great one races, and um, doing great. And this horse, American Theorem, what, what setup does he need to make him a proper player in, in one of the Breeders' Cup's most, most prestigious and one of its oldest races? Um, I would like to see, you know, a little pace out there so I can see right off him pretty much. Um, I mean, it's a horse that you can do whatever you want with him. And um, like I said, we just we don't want to change anything with him. But uh, hopefully there's a little speed out there and see right off him and uh, go from there. I like to hit the ground running on this podcast. This horse is available at double figure odds back home. If you had those 
placed in front of you, would be would you be uh, would you be getting your wallet out? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, he's doing great right now. He's in his top form right now. Um, can't be any. Uh, like I said, I can't be any more confident. Way, more confident the way he is right now coming to the Bruce Cup, and um, yeah, yeah, we're doing great. While Nick was in Australia, Michelle Yu was at the draw event and got the immediate reaction of some of the leading Breeders' Cup Classic contenders, starting with the mighty Flightlines trainer, John Sadler, who learned his start will be coming out of gate four. Uh, we, we thought the draw was a good draw. Yeah. I mean, you know, we thought any post would really be good. Probably don't want the one, you know, just so you might get bumped around coming out of the gate. But four is a perfectly good draw. John, what's it like to just have a target on your back? I mean, you're the horse to beat, but everyone is just eyeballing you. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. I've got the horse well prepared, um, and he's a top horse, so we'll let all that take care of itself. Anything that concerns you for race day? No. One of the ownership interests in Flightline is West Point Thoroughbreds, headed by Terry Finley. And after the draw ceremony, Michelle asked whether he was able to enjoy the build-up to this great race or whether nerves were getting the better of him. I can't wait for Saturday to get here, but I wanted to go slowly. I, I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but, um, you know, we're, we're in a great spot. I mean, he gives us all energy and uh, and the confidence, I think, to help us through the week. But it'll be a long couple days uh, waiting for Saturday. Now, John said not really a concern regardless about the draw. What are your feelings? Do you just trust the trainer or did you have anything that you were thinking beforehand? No, I definitely I would have. I, I definitely wanted to draw outside of mm-hmm. uh, life is good. And, you know, it, I, I said to myself, like, there's never easy. Like, it's never easy because we were there were two spots left, the seven and the two. And I, I you know, I, I hoped uh, that the life is good drew the two. I mean, he's going to be a formidable foe. I, I've said to a couple people, like, to underestimate uh, Todd Pletcher, mm-hmm. right? Todd Pletcher's been thinking about this weekend probably for the last six months, if not longer. Mm-hmm. So, to under, I think you underestimate Todd Pletcher at your own peril. Right. And we are not. I, I know. I know John. Obviously, he's got a good bit of confidence, but I know he is not taking any of those horses. In particular, life is good lightly. Terry, is it hard also to make a decision about persevering and continuing to race him after ever? Like he hasn't done a ton, right? I mean, race record wise. Like, do you want to just say let's just race him no matter what? But then there's that other side where he's just so valuable as a stallion. Yeah, it's it's a conundrum. Like we, I've, I've never faced. Like mm-hmm. it, it depends. Like I'll I'll have it in the last month. I've had days where I'd be like, there's no way I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna fight tooth and nail right. to try to get him to bring back, and then, uh, like the next day, you're like, that makes no sense at all, <laughs> and you you try to get to to a spot where it's it's insane, mm-hmm. but we're having a hard time getting to the point where it's even insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so look, I mean, we're gonna meet as a group, uh, as a partnership, on a Sunday morning, and uh, we'll figure it out there. But. Um, I don't mean to sound like, you know, any of the NFL coaches, but we're really focused on Saturday. Well, as Terry mentioned there, four-time grade one winner Life is Good may pose the biggest threat to Flightline on Saturday night. And his trainer, Todd Pletcher, spoke to Michelle about whether he was happy being drawn in stall two to inside Flightline. Well, Life is Good typically jumps really well. And, uh, you know, if he does again, then, you know, it's going to 
give IRAD the opportunity to kind of take a look over and see what's going on. And really, you know, this is a this is a rider's race, so they're going to determine, you know, how fast they're going and who's going to make the first move and those kind of things. So we'll get a little time to see how the track's playing on Friday and Saturday and come up with a strategy as we get closer to the race. Well, I feel like everyone's just kind of pigeonholing you into going right to the front is what they all expect. But I feel like listening to you now, it's not a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we can always come up with our strategy. You don't always know what everyone else is going to do. So I think that's why you put guys like Irad on board that, that's capable of making some split-second decisions when the gate open. Is it kind of nice to be able to take it to a horse like Flightline from two angles? You've got Life is Good with some more pace, and then you've got Happy Saver that could maybe pick up some pieces behind him. Yeah, Happy Saver could benefit if the pace gets really fast up front. You know, he's he's the type of horse that'll settle somewhere towards mid-pack and just kind of let John Velasquez decide, you know, how fast they're going and how much he wants to let them settle. And then, uh, you know, he would need things to, to set up just right and horses come back to him a bit. Let's talk about your girls. Malathat drawing the inside as well. Are you a that's-the-shortest-way-around kind of guy or you are it's-the-dreaded-one-hole kind of guy? Well, I mean, I, I don't mind it as much going a mile and an eighth, and uh, if she's able to save some ground around the first turn, that'd be great. And then John Velasquez hopefully worked his way into a clear position down the backside and go from there. I just want to tell you, uh, I, walked, I talked with you earlier about how much you walk 15,000 steps one day. Uh, we got it calculated. That was seven miles. Do you feel trim and fit? I don't feel trim. I don't feel fit. And uh, But, you know, it did uh, serve its purpose, hopefully, and got in, uh, got in a little bit of... Uh, of exercise while still uh, watching your horses train. Uh, really quick, I want to touch on Annapolis, too. I feel like he's just getting zero attention, and he's coming in in really sharp form. He's in great form. I think having a win over the track and the Coolmore Mile is super important. And, uh, you know, I mean, the competition gets even a little bit tougher here, but he beat a really high-quality group of older horses in there. And uh, if we get good weather and the turf course stays firm, I, I think, you know, he proved that he likes it. I mean, coming towards the end of the year, this is when horses can really turn a page and develop. This is a great time for some people to make money on a horse like Annapolis. Yeah, I mean, I think if you take a position on a horse like that, with a, you know, you're going to get a very square price. Mm-hmm. It's such a deep field, and you know, he's uh, he seems like he's really, really coming into his best at the right time. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Bill Strauss joining me, one of the co-owners of Hot Rod Charlie. Thanks, Bill. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. All right, I want to talk about Hot Rod Charlie. Big round of applause when his post position got drawn. Was that a number you guys wanted? You know, it wasn't so much a number that we were hoping for. Mm-hmm. It was to be outside of those two speed horses, those two ah. freaks. And so once we were outside and not too far outside, that was like a perfect draw position for us. But I can tell you, honestly, the cheering didn't come from his connections. It came from the fans. <laughs> I mean, it really, it came from the fans. He's just a people's horse. It's the craziest thing in the world. Now, it would have came from us if the boat racing guys were here, but they don't roll in until Wednesday. Wait, wait, speaking of the boat racing guys, I got to say, Hot Rod Charlie paid for a lot of champagne for me in Dubai. So, like, just selfishly, if you guys win i'm looking forward to saturday night yeah well for sure saturday night we win saturday night well you have more champagne you know what to do with <laughs> does it give you a little bit of confidence knowing that he ran a monster race the last time breeders cup was at keeneland yeah look i mean he's training great he really ran very well here with tyler on him mm-hmm. uh, and he just ran a great race he didn't run like he was 94 to 1 um, so yeah it gives us confidence that we know he likes the track he tr- he's been he's been here since June, mm-hmm. except to travel for a couple races. He's training over it. He trains brilliantly over it. I mean, people aren't talking about his work on Saturday because we all watched, you know, right. uh, 
life, but his work was brilliant. Mm-hmm. It was just brilliant. It's just not as flashy as some of these other ones. But he look, he's as ready as he can be as usual. Doug and his team have done a great job getting him ready. And, you know, it's up to the racing gods at this point. This year's shock 80-1 to 1 Kentucky Derby winner is looking to bounce back to winning ways, hard as that may be. And his trainer, Eric Reed shed his hopes for this weekend. Well, we had a number of things that Rick uh, and I discussed, and um, a lot of this is about fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we think that Richie deserves a shot to take on these horses. I mean, we know it's, it's asking a lot, but... Um, there's a lot of things at stake for three-year-olds, and Rick, Rick Dawson, um, he's already won a great big race this year, so he's in it for some fun now, and he wanted to do this, and I think it's the right decision. Now, should I be concerned that his biggest races have really come at Churchill Downs, including his 17-length maiden score? Well, he definitely likes that track, but really the only track he's run poorly at was Belmont, and I believe blame myself for that, so um, we'll just see how things go. What about his attitude? He got so much um, press after the Kentucky Derby for the pony incident. Is he better, different? Has he developed? Yeah, mentally he's, he's, he's fantastic. I mean, he's never had an issue like that before or since, and I just believe that was one of the heat of the battle things where, um, you know, he had just fought for his life against 20 horses, and... Um, he, he, he thought it was over, and up in front of him is another horse coming to take him away. So uh, I blame that on, on just the heat of the battle. Finally, Nick bumped into Gary Young on Thursday morning, the Bloodstock agent who purchased third favourite for the classic Tiber. And they spoke about the challenge this horse faces in tomorrow's feature event, as well as the threat he poses. It's a hell of a year to have a three-year-old taken on an older horse when you're taken on that older horse. Um, I've seen Flightline train for a long time and he's acts like a very special animal he's an aggressive horse that uh you know likes to likes to get it on from the get-go um this is his sternest test i i i'm a huge flight line fan but it's no disrespect to the horses he's ran against so far but he's taken on a whole different kettle of fish this saturday um, most people anticipate him to pass it with flying colors, and it wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a really classic feel where you got some two really good three year olds, or perhaps more. But in Epicenter and Tabor, you have two really good three year olds stepping up to try to take on the older horses at this year. And in in some respects, it's kind of like last year where Flightline has taken the place of Nick's go, and Epicenter and Tabor are taking the spots of Medina Spirit and Essential Quality and Hot Ride Charlie. So that's that's kind of what this the Breeders' Cup Classic is on a yearly basis. Um, you know, we're going to see. I mean, obviously, the first half mile of the race is going to be rather key as to how fast they go and what what, what who was where and stuff like that. But uh, you know, it is a very compelling race, let's put it that way. What's, what's the best that you can hope for, do you think? As far as Tabor goes, we'd like yeah. to see a half in about 46 with the uh, flight line and, <laughs> and, and, and life is good going out there. Absolutely and, nuts. And us getting a, a, a nice trip in, in third or fourth and, and him kicking in like he did in the, in the Penn Derby. We think he's, uh, I think he's improving all along. Um, and he'll need to, but uh, he's he's a tremendously talented horse, and uh, we just think as long as everything stays healthy, uh, we just hope that uh, you know that he will continue to be a, 
uh, an approving horse, and uh, the owner's the owner's just sidled up to us. I know he is. I know he is. He's he's looking he's looking lean and fit for the assignment as well. I mean, no, I have a this is Amir Zidane, owner of Tabor. <laughs> How are you feeling about it, Amir? Well, we're, I mean, we're we're climbing a mountain here. We got great horses, and I think our horse is, is in the best shape. So. We just need to hope that we're lucky and uh, everything works out well. So feel good to be here? Absolutely, amazing. Jam Fact Saturday edition today. I hope you enjoyed it. Breeders' Cup action from Keelan begins Saturday from 3.50pm GMT and runs all the way through to 9.40pm. So make sure you're sitting comfortably. Have a great weekend and the Nick Luck Daily podcast will be back on Monday with a review of all the action. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.